The Guardian. I'm Hume Yor and welcome to a special edition of Media Talk, all about the growing civil war at The Sun. Rupert Murdoch's beloved Red Top is the latest part of his empire to be plunged into crisis, following the arrest of five more Sun journalists over alleged payments to police officers. It's been another torrid week for the paper and for Murdoch. Today, having jetted into London on Thursday, he came out fighting. Notwithstanding that the arrests followed information passed to the police by News Corporation's Management and Standards Committee, Murdoch today lifted the suspensions of all of those arrested, saying they must be treated as innocent until proven guilty. And to those who suggested he might close the sun, a typically combative response. Murdoch told staff in an email that he will launch a sun on Sunday very soon. Extraordinary events. Lisa O'Carroll from Media Guardian has been at whopping. Uh, how did this unfold today? Well, all very quickly, we got a hint that this um, was something that he might do in the last 24 hours. And there was certainly a view that if Murdoch arrived in town and merely went down to the Sun staff and said, I'm behind the paper, I promise you I'm not going to close it, that would have been seen like a football manager's promise um, and wouldn't have been enough. Um, there was so much anger directed at the MSE. So there was speculation yesterday that this is actually what he was going to do, was going to blindside everybody and announce he was in the eye of the storm, in the heat of this um, extraordinary times, going to launch a new, brand new paper, albeit just a seventh edition of The Sun. So you were there. What were the reactions that you were picking up? Um, well, I think this morning when I was down, there was, a, there was a great air of anticipation. It was certainly, you know, some of the people that I met on the way in were... Um, well, they, the, the message they wanted to get across was the anger wasn't directed at Murdoch, it was directed at the MSE, the guys who they felt had thrown hard-working journalists to the wolves, um, rightly or wrongly. So I think the significance for some of the pe- people I spoke to today uh, down in Wapping was the fact that Murdoch, um, in his lengthy email, not only announced this new paper, but said the arrestees could come back to work and um, made the point of saying people are innocent until proven guilty. Um, he takes um, illegality, criminality very seriously. He didn't say that the MSC were going to uh, rein back in their work or anything like that. But I think he sent a strong message out to people. You know, you will be, um, you're free to work here until... And the Sun Newsroom has been a pretty miserable place all week. Um, what impact did that have, do you think? Boosted morale. And as we speak, Murdoch hasn't arrived down at the Sun Newsroom. And I think he's played this just beautifully. Um, obviously a prepared statement um, uh, ready to go first thing when he arrived at 11 o'clock this morning um, sends it off to all staff um, uh, lets it sink in for an hour or two and then will arrive to a hero's welcome vintage Murdoch stuff he's back in charge this is all about Murdoch saying to to his critics to the people in America to other people on the board I am in charge whatever happens I'm in charge I make the decisions here Lisa O'Carroll, thank you very much. Well, just another amazing development in a week that's had so many of them. Earlier, I spoke to Dan Sabah, our head of media and technology, about an unprecedented seven days in the House of Murdoch. This has been absolutely the most extraordinary week. You know, Saturday morning saw the, you know, five more arrests of uh, some journalists, uh, including Deputy Editor Jeff Webster, veteran reporter John Kay, Chief Foreign Correspondent Nick Parker, Big, big names at newspaper. It comes on top, of course, of the four arrests of two weeks earlier. That's nine Sun journalists arrested in, in three weeks, or well, in less than the last three weeks. And it absolutely stunned us, because, curiously, when the previous four were arrested, we almost took it in our stride. It was significant, but nobody quite knew what the arrests were about. And I think there was a sort of sense of, OK, let's wait and see, let's wait and see. 
But this new wave of arrest has absolutely sort of thrown sort of shockwaves through whopping. And, and suddenly the sun absolutely feels it's under siege. And suddenly News Corp is at war with itself. Well, exactly. I mean, you call it a civil war. But of course, in the week, Trevor Kavanagh wrote a fierce editorial calling this a witch hunt, didn't he? And saying that some senior executives like Will Lewis were actually boasting about passing information to the police. I don't think you name Will Lewis in that context, but, but he certainly talked about boasting in an interview with Richard Bacon on Five Live. I mean, a remarkable situation for any media organisation. Even the BBC couldn't quite manage, I think, a conflict quite like this. What you've got is, on the one hand, you've got the all-powerful, very powerful Management and Standards Committee, this clean-up committee liaising closely with the police, going through 300 million emails, looking for evidence of suspicious alleged corrupt payments to public officials, not just police officers, but prison officers, military personnel, so on and so forth. So these guys are sort of doing that job and as they gradually uncover information, they're sharing it with the police and that's led to these arrests. Then you've got another part of the organisation, News International itself, you know, once Britain's most powerful newspaper group, the Sun and the Times and the Sunday Times, funneling up to its own executive management, saying, hang on a minute, what's going on here? Our own side are providing information to the police. It's, there's a sort of emotional feeling of being dobbed in it and more to the point, which is really the sort of point of controversy and what trevor was talking about them on the monday and sort of coming out the tuesday is were they giving up source material they're sort of starting to reveal or potentially revealing their sources for stories what on earth is going on you know and that that was really how the debate moved by sort of monday yes and staff at the sun have now gone to the nuj saying this is a breach of their human rights well that certainly i mean what what then happened was this you know, Trevor Kavanagh kind of, I think, sort of waved the flag for the newsroom and did a sort of series of interviews on the back of his column on Monday. And then we saw, uh, you know, on Tuesday and on, on, when, on Wednesday, a lot of noise coming out of the Sun, Sun staff. There was, yes, some talk of going to the NUJ. The NUJ has not, not been recognised at, uh, at Wapping since the Wapping dispute back in the day. Maybe looking at some sort of complaint using uh, the European Convention on Human Rights, the ECHR, which is sort of ruled in the past in the Goodwin case on source protection. Well, that was a real turn up for the books, said a lot of people on Twitter saying, oh, suddenly the Sun thinks that human rights, the Human Rights Act, the European Convention is a good thing after all. I mean, setting aside the jokes, it's an important point. You know, source protection is an important issue. Because what then happened was, was that as the weeks wore on, you seen gradually stronger statements from the Management and Standards Committee. On Monday, they were basically saying, you know, well, we expected all this pushback, but, you know, it's not all overblown. I mean, that, you know, if, if a journalist has taken someone out to lunch, public official out to lunch, that, then that's not caught up in this payments program, uh, payments probe. So people should sort of calm down and reflect a little. Uh, uh, but they also were saying, well, you know, it's a, you know, these things are illegal. Payments to public officials are illegal. And what are we supposed to do? Because, in effect, the last time we tried to cover things up, look where it got us. And progressively, they've been smoked out from that position. And by Wednesday, you know, by Wednesday, and it did take some time, they were there. Again, it was suddenly emerging. Scotland Yard were looking into these sort of payments that, or claims that some individuals in the public sector receive more than £10,000 a year and were effectively on retainer. You know, we don't quite know any more details, but this sounds like a more serious allegation than than just sort of well taking somebody out to lunch, if you like, which is a you know the sort of thing that was certainly being rumoured earlier in the week. Who knows where the truth is, and it's not really our position to adjudicate until we get into a very sort of clear legal position. I don't know some charges are brought or something, but at the moment. What we've got is this real battle over sort of who's done right and who's done wrong over at the sun. 
Well, listening to that is Roy Greenslade, Professor of Journalism at City University, a former assistant editor at The Sun, and of course, renowned media commentator here at The Guardian. Roy, the fight back is on. Were you surprised? Uh, yes, I think uh, Murdoch is a magician and he pulled two amazing rabbits from the hat. Firstly, saying that the arrested journalist could return to work. And secondly, saying, OK, the sun on Sunday is a proper thing and it's going to be launched. And was that an indication of the sort of difficulty he was having? Because he had this disunited uh, newsroom. He had uh, Trevor Kavanagh um, making a pretty spirited attack on News Corp um, in, in the sun this week. Um, did he have to do this? Oh, I think so. I think he needed to do something dramatic. But, um, you know, he's a, he, this is very subtle. Uh, he has, with one bound, as it were, um, quelled the disquiet at the sun because he is obviously going to bring their beloved colleagues back to work. Um, but secondly, he has suggested by the fact that he's going to definitely launch the sun on Sunday that a long-term commitment to the paper and to the group. And I think that will have heartened those journalists who felt um, unloved and unwanted by the man uh, who has been so close to their paper since 1969. And there is a certain uh, loyalty at that company, isn't there? A, lo- a certain loyalty to him. Would he have been very wounded by the sort of things that people have been saying this week? Well, I think he would have been very upset um, that people had turned on him to an extent. I mean, I think that their real anger has been at the Management and Standards Committee and characters there. And it says much for the loyalty towards Rupert that whatever Trevor Kavanagh wrote, whatever other ex-journalists, uh, ex-Sun journalists have said, whatever Sun journalists were telling me, no one raised their voice against Rupert Murdoch personally. He still retains the affection that he also shares with the paper. Why is that? Because we watched him in front of the Culture Committee saying, well, I didn't know that that was happening. And, and, and many people were sceptical about him being able to take that view. But do people at The Sun really believe all of this is happening to us, but Rupert is not to blame? No, maybe they do think that he made some missteps along the way, but they would be still seeing him in positive terms. This is a sharp-elbowed, buccaneering uh, and uh, it has to be said, irreverent kind of man, anti-establishment. And the Sun personifies that, and the Sun journalists exemplify it. So I think they march in step, in lockstep, Murdoch and the Sun and the journalists who work there. Is he sending out mixed messages now? Um, It's an obvious truism, I suppose, that uh, people are innocent until proven guilty, but they were arrested on the basis of information that his own committee gave to the police. He's now saying, well... I don't really think that they should be suspended. Is that undercutting what his committee's done to any uh, degree? I, I don't think it is, because I think he's relying on what we call natural justice. Um, they've not been charged. I think if people were charged, uh, they'd be in that same position that, say, ministers of the Crown and so on who step aside. I think they'd have to say, if you're charged with a crime, even if you've not yet been found guilty, uh, then we should let you go. But they have all been bailed. You know, there's no surety uh, that they would be consequently charged or convicted. So therefore, I think he's saying natural justice allows me in this case, in this extraordinary instance, uh, to let you back to work. Did we have any indication before this that he wasn't happy with the way things had been uh, had been proceeding this week? Well, we don't have any information that he's unhappy anyway. Um, but, but I can well, feel... he's suspended them, though. Yeah, yeah, well, he didn't suspend them. I wonder whether that was a decision taken 
um, at a level below Murdoch? Um, has he countermanded the decision of, say, his new chief executive there, Tom Mockridge, um, or the editors, or whoever took that decision? But I doubt that he was the one who decided they should be suspended in the first place. Where does this leave the Management and Standards Committee? Um, are they going to feel slightly hemmed in now in their work? Uh, well, I think that's a very good question to ask. They are technically uh, independent. They report to an independent member of the News Corp board, and uh, Murdoch said in setting it up, it's nothing to do with me, I won't be involved, um, it will be done at arm's length. But they will doubtless be picking up on the hostility towards them as a committee, um, and they will probably see the fact that these journalists have been allowed back to work as a bit of a slap. But on the other hand, I think that they'll see that it is a matter of um, innocent till proved guilty. They've provided evidence. Um, the police have arrested, but they haven't charged. I think one of the extraordinary things about our law, is it not, is that there is this big gap especially in white-collar crime, in terms of time between uh, arrest and bail and then being charged. And that's, I think, a question to ask of the law rather than Rupert Murdoch. Of course, Murdoch might have thought, I'm not going to have much of a newsroom left <laughs> at this rate. Well, I did joke early on that if they went on arresting people at this, uh, at this rate, then there wouldn't be anyone to report. But, um, you know, obviously... I mean, this, the extraordinary thing is this involves senior executives, um, you know, decision-makers. But it will have given, I think, heart to the rest of the staff to know that uh, if the knock comes at 6am on their door with 10 big bobbies outside, um, that they will still have a job to go to uh, until and unless uh, they're charged. So to some extent, uh, Rupert is with you. You, you mentioned the Management and, and Standards Committee and, of course, um, Will Lewis um, has played quite a big role in that. And one of the views from the shop floor, if you like, the newsroom, has been about the protection of sources and about a worry that sources have been compromised here. What's your view of that? Well, I do think that is a genuine concern. Um, I imagine that they are trying to redact sources who aren't central to the investigation. And I think journalists are genuinely worried that should, in, in the long run, sources be compromised, that it goes against the grain for journalists to give them up. And they'll be particularly alarmed that, well, Lewis, um, former uh, national newspaper editor, a man who told the Leveson Inquiry that core to his journalistic principles is the protection of sources, they'll be reminding him of that many times over, um, that, he, that he shouldn't be involved in it. On the other hand, see it from their point of view. Um, if they come across information of illegality, and we don't know what they've come across, uh, then they're beholden duty, and that don't forget the MSC is composed of journalists and solicitors and police. Their, their obligation is actually to present that evidence and to act on it. Of course, none of us know what they know, um, but from what we hear, um, does this involve normal journalistic practice, entertainment of contacts as you would normally do, or does it go further than that? No, clearly it doesn't involve the buying of a sandwich or a small meal for a contact, um, a beer or a glass of wine or whatever. Uh, according to what we understand, um, this is much bigger than that. And, um, and I think anyway, um, no journalist um, uh, of Will Lewis's stature and background could possibly, you know, I mean, he's taken plenty of city folk for meals. He knows the score on that front. Um, so it's not, it's not the routine entertainment of context. It obviously 
if we are to believe what they told us, uh, it goes beyond that. One could see that the journalists involved would see the entertainment of contacts as being routine. But would the police officers involved see that? Uh, would they be able to put the, that sort of entertainment in context? Well, in my younger reporting years, I dealt with uh, police, and there's, there's give and take. Uh, but we're not talking about massive give and take uh, here. Generally, with all contacts, in any sphere, there's a bit of swapping of uh, money, in, not in you know, handing over of money, but the swapping of funds, as it were, by the buying of meals and so on. But I, I would have thought police knew that if they ever accepted a sum of money, whether it be £5 or £5,000, it is not a technical breach of the law. It is illegal. So if it's a sandwich, or even a very upmarket sandwich, that might be okay. But if it's actually cash, then, then that's a serious problem. Absolutely. If it's, if it's a cash payment, it's illegal. Is that it now? Uh, do we know that the sun is definitely safe? Because there was an extent to which, as you say, Murdoch had to do something. Um, so do you think that he, was it expedient to say this? And, and you know, will we, in a month's time, maybe be reading the sun on Sunday? Do you think that he will really go forward, launch that paper, and that the, the staff can rest easy now? You kind of have the feeling uh, that, uh, having said what he said, uh, he is definitely going to launch it, and maybe sooner rather than later, and he'll be galvanising the staff to do that. He clearly feels that there is still a gap in the market, extraordinary as it may seem, uh, but a lot of News of the World readers simply disappeared, and he probably wants to mop those up. We mustn't forget... In terms of the, the potential readership out there, The Sun is a strong brand. It sells 2.75 million a day, 750,000 more than its closest rival, the Daily Mail. And the strength of that brand on a seventh day could mean that he could get, you know, attract um, 2 million buyers, maybe more. Um, this will hit all those papers, of course, that um, benefited when the news of the world went under. So this is a problem for Trinity Mirror with the people and the Sunday Mirror and also a problem for Express newspapers who were enjoying some success with the Daily Star on Sunday. Nevertheless, it's, it's needed him to come over and do what he's done, pull his rabbit from the hat for people to, 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 to be secure. Does that mean he has to stick around? Is this something that he has to continue to take personal control of? I, I, I think, doesn't it show you that this is not a n news corp? initiative this is a rupert murdoch initiative uh, it's really him solely who's responsible for keeping that paper afloat you know he he was the one who saved it from near death 40 odd years ago um, and he hasn't forgotten that and he wishes to ensure that it lives on Okay, Roy Greenstead, we'll leave it there. This story just keeps moving. It, it, it could, 24 hour news could have been made for this story, but thanks for joining us for now. And you can follow all the developments in this story on mediaguardian.co.uk. If you want to leave your feedback on anything you've heard today, head to our blog at guardian.co.uk forward slash media talk. I'm Hugh Muir. This podcast was produced by Ben Green. Thanks for listening and goodbye. For more great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio.